Hello, podcast listeners. I'm your host, Richard Lee, and welcome to Rangers Outposts, where I'm going to take you to our friendly outpost where we go deep into people's unique lives that inspire me. Today, we'll be interviewing Renetta. We will dive into a journey that includes starting a startup called Green Bite in Iceland, how the effects of climate change inspired her journey, and how she bridges the many gaps between the technical and non-technical worlds while advocating for a diverse workforce. And it kind of clicked when I was doing these forecast evaluations, like, oh my gosh, these algorithms, these machine learning algorithms that predict the future can be used to predict future sales at restaurants and we can tell them how much food to order. To give a brief introduction, Renetta, born to a Mexican mother and a German father, was raised in the States. With a background in mechanical engineering and sustainable engineering, specifically wind energy, Renetta had the desire to help the environment since her middle school days after seeing firsthand how the hurricanes hitting Florida only grew stronger every year. So when the opportunity arose to apply her technical background to tackle the overlooked environmental problem of food waste, she started Green Bites with a fellow classmate. Thank you, Renetta, for coming on the show. So uh, I'm Renata. I am half Mexican and half German and grew up in the U.S. Um, I'd like to talk about that because I think it gives people an understanding about, you know, the Latin American, but also German discipline mishmash together. Um, I've always I grew up in South Florida and growing up in South Florida, I had a really big appreciation for Hispanic culture and also the environment because, you know, we, I was snorkeling and going outside all the time, but at the same time, like there's all these hurricanes that would like come every year and they'd get worse and worse and worse. And couple that with like my paranoid aunts being like, you have to move away from Florida. It's going to be underwater. Mm -hmm. And like the stacks of national geographic that my mom would keep in the house saying the same thing about Florida being underwater. I was like, oh no, but I like it here. How do I stop it from disappearing? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> a interest for the environment grew, which led me to pursue a degree in environmental engineering at Georgia Tech. But I quickly found out that is not what that means or what I thought it meant. I thought it was like, oh, alternative energy and let's save the environment. But no, it's more like a subsect of civil engineering, which is totally fine in its own respect. But I kind of equated it, it to the equivalent of glorified trash collecting, mm -hmm. um, which is funny because of what I do now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I switched okay, to mechanical cool. engineering. Oh, yeah. Full trash. Full, full trash. <laughs> full circle right here. Full circle. Uh, yeah. And then I moved to Iceland to pursue sustainable energy engineering. Um, so mechanical engineering, I went in for the robots, but also because I always saw it as like a stepping stone to sustainable energy. Mm -hmm. So I came to Iceland. I did this degree and I was focusing on wind energy like wind energy kind of just kept on following me because I did like an internship in Germany doing wind energy. And, mm -hmm. and then I did my thesis on it and I was going to do a PhD, but uh, I ended up starting a company instead. So what, you know. what, a, what a pivot, like instead of pursuing <laughs> this PhD, I instead started a company. I was under the delusion that I was going to do both. You, but that, I could see you doing both though. 
yeah, but it ended up like not getting funded. And I was like, I'm not doing this for free. (laughs) (laughs) This is some heavy research that will Mm -hmm. benefit like some people. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, uh, oh yeah. And now I work at a startup called Green Bites that back to the trash, uh, helps restaurants reduce their food waste before it happens, um, by using artificial intelligence to predict future food consumption. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so awesome. Well, thank you, Renata, to, uh, for your, our second episode of Ranger Outpost. Uh, but yeah, like, it's going to be really fun going through all this with you. Uh, so yeah, like let's let's start a little bit from the beginning. Like, and you mentioned Florida. You mentioned how you could do something about it. So, do you remember any any moments that really stuck out to you? So I have this memory of like in middle school wanting to like do something about climate change, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that I understood was that. The oceans were rising and because the oceans were rising, therefore Florida would disappear. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so the water in the arc or the ice is melting, which means that there's more water. So we get rid of the water. No, like we desalinate yeah, the water we'll and like there's more drinking. The we'll just get rid of some <laughs> of the water. So we'll desalinate some of it and then there'll be drinking water because that was also simultaneously a problem that mm-hmm. uh, we totally I was like. hearing about. It's like, yeah, yeah, we just so, happen to have no fresh water. So I'm like, if we have, look, so I don't know, like, let's just desalinate the water. And I was like, that was my plan to save the world. So in middle school, I did like this project where I just went to the ocean and grabbed some salt water, because you know, Florida. And then I like built this little thingy with like different, so like a big bowl and then a small bowl with the salt water. And then like, I covered the the top with like this kind of contraption this plastic contraption and the idea was that it would evaporate up and then like the conical shape would have it drip to the sides and it did work but like Mm -hmm. not on a definitely not at a scalable level but i was like i'm doing it and i have this really specific memory because i had some friends over that i'm still friends with today that like broke it i'm like no i was trying to save the world (laughs) you broke it (laughs) this was in middle school right yeah I think it's I think it's something funny that I've done almost the exact same project in a different way, but this was an electrical thing. I'm like, oh, what if I were to make a hydroelectric dam? But I was like, I want to measure the difference between fresh water and salt water, and apparently cool. there's a difference in how much power you turn out. Well, of course, there's like the salt, and then there's changes the conductivity. No, exactly. Unfortunately, I I created a generator, and you know those. When you create your own generator, you're you're twisting copper wire into a spot. And yes. Like it, it's like yeah. Um, I, I think we might be losing viewers as we speak, but it's you're you <laughs> lose. It's really hard to tell the difference, especially when you're pouring like Morton salt into puns of water compared to like fresh water. It's absolutely the same. I barely created energy. I think I made maybe a single LED light turn on. I was like, that's my measurement. Both LED light bulbs turned on. I saved the world. So, <laughs> so I completely relate with you on that standpoint. Yeah, just this this desire to do something mm-hmm. and using brute force and the limited knowledge available to me to mm-hmm. try to forge that path. Yeah, and and I and we could clearly but nothing's see that. changed. <laughs> no, nothing's changed. I think the brutes the brute forcing will always be there in some sense. Yep, some yep, sense. yep. Yeah. Uh, and you went from that 
wonderful science experiment in middle school to Georgia Tech. There's yes. Path there. So I think the path to Georgia Tech was through robotics. In high school, I joined the robotics team, which was funny because like, I don't know how I got away with this and I don't know, <laughs> but I didn't really take a physics class until my senior year of high school because of the way that like the scheduling turned out. Like you can only take four classes um, a semester, but if you took AP classes, which were like advanced placement, whatever classes, you could only take four classes the year. So because of that, like I didn't end up taking physics until my final year. Uh, (laughs) But when I finally did, I think maybe, I don't know if it was senior year, junior year. So long ago. It's high school. Yeah, but I joined uh, the robotics team and I thought it was so cool because like it was the first robotics uh, tournament thing and you'd like get a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's really similar to one of the Georgia Tech mechanical engineering course. It's basically the same thing where you get a challenge and you have to design a robot um, that completes certain tasks. And the year that I did it, we did a robot that like did some version of basketball and had to like go over ramps and, you know, push a bowling ball up a ramp and stuff like that. Is it still basketball? No, <laughs> but there was a foam basketball and basketball nets, but there okay. was four of them, five mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. That... But I just thought it was so fun. Cause like, I don't think I had like ever felt so alive as I had mm-hmm. like tending to a broken robot, like hours before it was supposed to like go into a competition. And I'm assuming this spur your creativity a little bit more in the direction of like robotics yes because like in high school i really liked everything i just really liked school i liked uh english i liked foreign languages i liked history i liked math i liked science i liked everything and like my like like existential moments of like what can i do i want it all so but yeah the robotics team i was like well this is pretty cool why not something like this and that ultimately led you to pursue a degree at tech. Yes. Yeah. So I Googled like sustainable energy. No, just, no. it was environmental engineering schools because I was the f- first person in my immediate family to go to college in the U.S. So oh, wow. my had no like background on them. They're like, I don't know how to do you're this. Like, and you're like, on your own the- kid. <laughs> basically, when, I, when all these look kids got all this help from their parents. I was like, but, oh. It's like, what are the tips and tricks? Like, I don't know, read the book about it. Yeah, I was actually really lazy. I only applied to three schools. Um, Yeah, I applied to MIT, to Georgia Tech, and to University of Florida. And those are drastically different in scale. I love that. Yeah, it was just like my reach, my like middle and like my backup. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's not so that clean. university of florida is not a good school or anything it's not a good school it's an amazing school shout out to university of florida <laughs> <laughs> but i just thought it was more like um possible for me to get there in because that's a florida resident and all that stuff but like i googled i was on the google and i was like okay uh environmental engineering which schools are good for that and i think the first schools in california was like mm, no too far away like i had never live so far from home and the, first, the second one was like somewhere 
like the middle of the country. I'm still kind of too far. And then there was Georgia Tech. And I was like, oh, okay. I have one an all that lives there. One state across. Third place is not that bad. And then Third MIT place. was after. I'm like, MIT is like a really good school. I mean, might as well apply to. Mm-hmm. Though I got into Georgia Tech like early and then I didn't finish like the second part of the MIT application. And I always wonder. <laughs> You're always like, yeah. I, I could have totally gone there. I don't know if I would have gone there because my dad's German and like, he doesn't really think private schools are very good. Like obviously MIT is amazing, but like yeah. he has this, like, and he's like, I don't want no, yeah. It's like, I don't want no expensive <laughs> private school in my. <laughs> yeah. Cause like in Germany, like the, the private schools are usually like, Oh, you didn't get into the normal school. Really? It's the opposite there. Yes. But I was like, no, no, no dad. It's not like that. <laughs> No. I love how and a lot also, of German like, rules are like completely the opposite. <laughs> like how he yeah, but also he's like, you shouldn't have to pay that much money for like an education. I'm like, no, yes, no. I'm like, no. so who knows? I probably wouldn't even have gone. So it's probably good to not have even gotten the option. And jumping into uh, your experience at Georgia Tech, like what were some moments that you could like recall that really spurred you on this path? Oh, this path being whatever you're doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, okay. I'm going to start with like a general analysis of Georgia tech and then zoom into a particular experience that definitely did put me on the path to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So the general experience was that everyone in Georgia tech was wildly intelligent and motivated and hardworking and just seeing all those people fearlessly Cut just through. going for it yeah just made me feel really motivated to also go forward and just kind of tackle anything that i had in front of me mm-hmm. like i remember like going to the kulk study area and being like wow like everyone around me is doing something crazy difficult and i can do that too i, I i'm curious on this standpoint um what made it look crazy difficult? Because it's it's hard to tell until you see it. Probably the tears. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone I know at Tech like had a moment of like uh, mental, like I'm not smart enough from this, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What are you talking about? You're so smart." But then, like, you go through it yourself, and you're like, "No, I'm so smart too." <laughs> <laughs> everyone has this coming to moment, like, "I know I'm not the smartest, and that's yes. okay." It's so humbling being around so many pseudo geniuses. Like, you know, you leave high school, you know, typical, typical thing, you know, you know perfect, grace, perfect grades, la la la, easy peasy. And then you get there and you're like, bam, everything's hard. <laughs> it's it's like, welcome to, welcome to tech. It's like, straight yeah. easy peasy. Like, oh my goodness. So hard. And like, I did my master's here in Iceland and like, it was a perfectly good program, but it was so much easier in comparison. <laughs> but I've also heard that like, people enjoy their master's more or have an easier time because Mm -hmm. of its specialization Mm -hmm. but yeah tech was just hard and it felt like a continuous struggle and like there was always just new things that you didn't know all at the same time and i think that's what made it hard Mm -hmm. that they just push you to like just keep moving the limit but it's okay if you got a zero on this test the next one will balance it out yeah and i think that's also very ingrained like so many teachers are like you're not gonna get good grades but that's okay and I think it's good to be humble. 
<laughs> even it's, if it's, it's forced upon you. It, it's definitely humbling at a very pivotal moment in life. So formative. Very formative. I don't consider myself a very humble person, but like looking back at the tech days, I think were my humblest days. It's like that's so, that, yeah. that's what you learn. That's what you learn. Do you do you remember any moments uh, during your uh, your years there that you could talk about that like either was the learning moment or like this is what I want to do moment? Yeah. So I'll start from freshman year and then do a senior year moment. Perfect. So in freshman year. I found out about, out about this invention competition called the Inventure Prize. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I want to participate. So I just got some girls together from the floor that I was living on. I was like, let's put something together. So we put together this idea of like a Pico projector that hooks up to some lasers and you can like do some functions, like for example, like turn the page of a book on a projection. But like, this is freshman year, like no cat experience, no like experience with like robotics at that level. Mm -hmm. So we put together this really haphazard presentation, but we were happy with it. And we were, obviously we did not make it past any sort of round or whatever, but uh, I think that was the first like taste of like, I want to see a problem and try to fix it. And then fast forward to senior year, um, similar type of deal, the adventure competition. We wanted to put something together. I worked together with Chinaza, who I met in freshman year, Chinaza Bona. Um, and what we did is we put together a self-charging wireless, uh, a self-charging wireless like um, fitness tracker. Mm-hmm. That, that would be uh, shoe yes. sole, right? that goes into your foot shoe sole kind of thing and the cool thing is that it charges using piezoelectricity and the Seebeck effect so like you know the deformation of the material but also the thermal gradient of your foot to the surrounding area mm-hmm. and like Originally, the idea was like to produce electricity, but we quickly realized that the <laughs> amount of electricity that it produced was nominal. So we decided just to make it charge itself, and like the functions that it has is pre- mm-hmm. are pretty simple. Like it was tracking steps and calories and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so we had this idea, and we actually turned it into our senior project, and we brought on some more people. And we got like a provisional patent and all this stuff. And, you know, I think that was the first experience of like, this is so exciting. I want to do something myself and develop it and be part of a team that is all like equally motivated because it's a passion project. So that, this was, this was yeah. the, uh, the, the superhero starting his journey moment of like... <laughs> I don't know if I see myself as a superhero, but it was definitely a changing, it was definitely a formative moment. And like, it was such Mm -hmm. a good learning experience because like, we honestly faced so many no's (laughs) and like, it was so important for us to like have this experience because we'd be like okay we're gonna be sad today and then tomorrow we're gonna pick back up where we where Mm -hmm. we left off and keep on going and also like it was interesting because along the way we had a lot of people helping us 
but the core of the team was Shanaza and myself. And we're mm. both two ladies. And a lot of the times when we would go to these like presentations for the project, like the questions about the physics behind what we were doing would go to our male um, teammates. Mm. And like that may have not been what they were working on. And it was just kind of funny to be like, hello. Like, by the way, we're actually here. what we're <laughs> I will redirect this question to the person who worked on this that what you're asking about. <laughs> it's like your assumptions lie here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a very like blatant like, oh, I see. But mm. I don't know. Like we were in the south and a lot of the people were on the, the old, old school generation. Southern, Southern yes, engineers. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very valuable. Contributed so much, but you know, engineers have many faces and oh, yes. genders and ethnicities. And, and, and I think oh. that's a perfect launching point into your life after Georgia Tech, which is, I think, the scariest launch usually. So tell us a little bit like your immediate time right after. So a semester after Georgia Tech, I was working on this trying to like push it forward and like apply for different competitions and stuff. But like we were realizing that like hardware is really difficult and really, really expensive to develop. Like the prototyping is not cheap and like any sort of manufacturing at even the smallest scale is so expensive, like putting together molds and blah, blah, blah. So I started applying to jobs and I got a couple job offers um, for some laser company to the for the u.s but i thought it was really kind of ski i don't know i didn't have a good feeling about it because mm. when i went on the tour it was super cool facility they had really cool big engineering big toys lasers. big lasers. lasers it was big so lasers cool it's like but when do you like, hand out the lasers <laughs> it was it was really cool except that i felt like ugh, so two things, they were like, you'd be the only woman in a department of an, in the engineering department of like 30. And, I'm, and they're like, is that a problem? I was like, it wasn't, but you brought it up. So has there been problems before? And two, when we were doing the tour, they had a comment about how their lasers, they work with uh, Southwest Asia often. And I was like, you mean South, the Middle East? Southwest Asia? <laughs> Southwest, they rebranded the Middle East. Southwest Asia. (laughs) And I was like, are you trying to confuse me? Because I know geography. (laughs) There's nothing much west of (laughs) South Asia. (laughs) So so I didn't have the best feeling. And then there was other random job offers. But at the same time that I like left my last interview for this laser job, I got an acceptance from the Iceland School of Energy. And I remember being on this Uber ride back to my friend's house and the Uber driver's like, oh no, 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 like you graduated from Georgia Tech, like this is what they should be offering you and this opportunity, like jobs will be there. You go and take this opportunity once in a lifetime. And I was like, I was already convinced, but this is just, this, you know, I say- This you over. You're like, yeah, absolutely. Nice cherry on top. It's like, perfect. Like, thank you, Uber driver. Thank you, my, Uber my, driver. My future has been changed. <laughs> I mean, she, she, I hope she thinks about this to this day. She had some influence, mm. but I probably would have done it anyway. <laughs> 
we may or may not confirm that this Uber driver had the life changing effect on Renetta. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, so it's been a couple days. You got you got those tours in. You had this wonderful interaction with your Uber driver, and then you found out I got it. Yeah. What what does this timeline look like to now move to Iceland, a totally different country? So I think I found out around April, May. Uh, no, April. That's not April, May. It was pretty late because I yeah, it was pretty late because I was supposed to move in July and I only had a couple months in between. So I picked up like a really quick lifeguard <laughs> office job. To like, I was like, I just want to save up enough for a winter coat for Iceland. <laughs> so yeah, and then I moved to Iceland in July. And this is the July right after you graduated. Yeah, so I graduated December 2016, and then、mm. moved in July. Oh wow, how how was that? How how does that all work out? Like moving to a new country, grad so... school there. I think moving was really fun. I like chaos of going somewhere, somewhere totally new. But I had been working outside in the summer in Miami, and then I moved to Iceland. And when I got there, it was gray and raining, and I was wearing what I thought was going to be my winter coat at the time, in the middle of July. So I was like, "What did I do?" <laughs> And for the first couple of months, I was always cold, but like eventually it was fine. And it was cool because the program that I did was in English. Like Icelandic is very difficult, and I was going wasn't gonna try to jump <laughs> into that. Learn a new language while pursuing a master's. <laughs> I there's people who've done it, but they're yeah, my head is crazier than me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So at, most of the people that I was in school with were also expats, so it was.、Mm. Pretty nice to like have this journey with them, with people from all over the world. Lots of Canadians, lots of Americans, some people from Indonesia and other parts of Europe, Norway,、uh, the Netherlands,、uh, other places. And it was really cool because, you know, moving to a new country is difficult. But I think Iceland makes it relatively easy, especially like if you're a student or you're working. Like,、um, really? All right, we're gonna go. Just do a shout out list of amazing things that Iceland provide. You told I, me quite I do, a few. I do have a German passport, so that made it a lot easier. Like, remember Mexican German. Mexican German with a German passport. Yes, made it how, very very. How, how many passports do you have, by the chance? Don't worry about it. Okay, well we we just have she has more than one passport. <laughs> we're just gonna, gonna get me in trouble. We're just gonna assume, which is fine. Which is fine. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just not gonna call out any names. So, what are the amazing things that Iceland offered? As Iceland is amazing. So it's not just as an expat. It's just to like the people living here. Like after living here for a couple of months, you basically automatically go into their healthcare service. I don't know exactly how it works, but like. Going to the doctor is relatively cheap. I think it's like two thousand krona, which is like now I don't know twenty bucks. Twenty bucks think, to go to the doctors. Yeah, and like I think there's a cap on how much you can spend, like per for per month, based on like your medical procedures.、Um, while I was working, like I had a really great time because I was while. 
I was doing my master's. I worked at a juice store and they had a fin, like I was paid very well. And on top of that, like everyone is part of a union. So I was part of a union working at a juice store and this union made sure that every year everyone got a raise and that in December there was some sort of bonus that I got as a part-time worker and they would pay, they would reimburse me for classes. So for school, for the university, um, which is also pretty cheap, like the public university, you basically just pay the taxes and the private university um, is still significantly cheaper than anything in the U.S. Um, yeah, so they reimburse you for like a percentage of like courses. So if I took like Icelandic classes that were like 400 US dollars, they'd give me like 300 back. Um, and same for the gym, like they'd give you money back for the gym, like a percentage back and stuff like that. So they're really taking care of their citizens. What it, what it seems They like. really, yeah. Yeah. I feel very taken care of in Iceland. Like it's not perfect. Like nowhere is, but like I've, I really was blown away. Like, especially like, especially coming from like the U S like where I took one job, like actually I took a couple, but I took, I took one engineering job and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it was so different. Cause I remember like I was going to go on vacation to Germany to see my grandparents and I wanted to take two weeks off, which felt like nothing because I believe in long vacations. <laughs> and it was such an ordeal to get the time off. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't like in and in Iceland, like I right after graduating my master's, I worked for the national energy company. And my my boss was like, go take a break. Like it was such a different work culture. Mm. So I don't know. I really appreciated that. So you were you were working at a juice bar at the same time you were doing pursuing, my master's. pursuing and finishing your master's. Yes. And it was two years, I'm assuming? Yes. So like how was it different than like what a like say schooling would be at in the uh, United States? That is was a good like question. Same? I mean, it was pretty similar, like, you know, I think Iceland kind of is, is a mixture of like European culture and American culture, you know, because really? geographically we're right in the middle. <laughs> so I think that's just right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that in a lot of European schools, it's just like the final and the midterm that are graded. Oh, wow. But like most of my classes, like we had plenty of assignments and like plenty of checkups and like stuff like that. And I thought that was pretty American style. Mm. So it felt pretty familiar to me. Oh wow. And this and this master's was specifically in environmental engineering? It was, yeah. So it's sustainable energy engineering. And they focused a lot on geothermal and hydropower. And I decided to branch off and try to understand wind energy. Mm, which is like Iceland's kind of famous for. It. Like they do all three so well. They do not have that much wind energy, but like my master plan was that like they only have like two active wind turbines in like the two country. singular active wind turbines. Yes, not wind farms. Two no, 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 singular Just, ones. Yes, despite being one of the windiest countries in the world, we have so much electricity that comes from hydropower and geothermal that like it's not really seen as a necessity. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that our glaciers are melting every year and 73% of our electricity comes from those glaciers because they come through like hydropower that mm -hmm. comes through the Fjordsau River, which is from most of the big glaciers. 
And like, if those are melting, we should slowly start switching over to other types of energy so that we don't get like just slapped in the face by like a deficiency of electricity. That That is really fascinating because I think Iceland is so famous for having an abundance of energy. Uh, yes. Like naturally out of, out of the entire world. Um, which they totally you, do. Which they do, which, is, which they have a ton of. Uh, uh, it's a it's a very interesting type of sustainable. Like we kind of rely on something to go away to sustain it as well. Uh, as you say, the gla- glaciers are melting, so I'm like yeah, we don't replace the glaciers. So um, glacial melt is natural, mm-hmm. and like every summer, the glacier is supposed to melt and then like reform in the winter. But the problem is that like they're not reforming as fast as they're melting. Uh, so that's yeah. the trick right there. Mm-hmm. Like ideally, like they won't melt all at once, but also like if we want to diversify like the economy, which most mostly comes from tourism and fishing, like mm-hmm. I think it'd be good to have electricity. So maybe we could hook up a data center or I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, that that's I feel like that's a different like an industry that we don't talk about, especially for like tourism based locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really fascinating <laughs> that you brought that up. Data centers have been like one of the things that people have been wanting to bring in because like it's cold. So like you can like it cools down the processors and um, it's pretty safe. So like you don't have to. I don't know. And and then there's clean electricity. So Mm -hmm. you could run it at a like uh, environmentally friendly way in a place that makes sense because of its weather and socioeconomic standing. That is so cool. Uh, before we move on to your next amazing journey, um, what is like an Icelandic term or phrase that is very Icelandic? Like only they have. Um, so I don't know if it's only Iceland, mm-hmm. but I would say theta retest. Theta retest. which means like, I call it the Icelandic hakuna matata. so it's like basically like it's gonna be okay Mm -hmm. and i think it comes from a culture that is like subject to volcanoes and earthquakes and wild storms and like some it's like usually like something's something bad is actively happening and people are like oh they're like ah it's gonna be okay like that is peak icelandic culture really yes that that seems like such a tropical like ideology Coming Iceland's from a an place. island, and in yes, the north. <laughs> we are Scandinavian in this country, but uh, there's no more laid back, like Scandinavian country than Iceland. Like it's really? very, like everyone's like always a little late. Like the emails will typically take a little bit longer to get answered, and they've got this like it'll be fun so, you'll figure it out kind of attitude iceland is essentially the hawaii of the scandinavian countries i think so like yes we have all the magical benefits of like a scandinavian country with the good health care and like blah blah all the like, wonderful so people will complain about all the things but i think it's pretty good in comparison to like lots of the places that i've lived in oh wow and like, and this was essentially the new background that you'll be uh, pursuing a career in. So uh, you finished your grad school, and yes. you had this wonderful story. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take it from there. Uh, what happened after? <laughs> yeah. So I finished grad school, um, and I did my master's thesis in 
citing wind energy. So I did a case study. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to take in all these different factors. So the energy, the connection to the grid, but also like social factors, like um, how it affects like the, the visual things and how close it is to cities or towns or whatever. So that led me, I did that master's thesis with the national energy company, Lenz Wittgen, and the national transmission company, Lensnet. And that led me to a summer job at the national energy company. So I worked at uh, Lenz Wittgen from, uh, when did I start? Maybe, maybe July mm-hmm. until like October. The, the beginning of October of 2019. So I like finished, I defended my thesis, took a week off and then started working. Um, oh, wow. That's pretty much immediate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the job like presented itself and normally would have started earlier, but like mm-hmm. I had to finish my thesis. Yes. <laughs> and I like really wanted to take the opportunity because at that time I was like, this is where I want to work. Mm-hmm. And usually like these summer jobs turn into like full-fledged, uh, job. So I was like, this is, this is the plan. Mm-hmm. And you were there for, you said July to October. I think it started with July. It might've been June. It might've been June. So it might've been May. It might, so, so I think summer and early fall, we're just going to keep yes. those rough. Summer and, so look, I think it was May. <laughs> it was like May. So like a five months, five-ish months. Yeah. So, so how was, what was your experience like? Like working like ice on the company and like. Amazing. Amazing. It is a wonderful company. Like uh, what I was doing was really cool. My boss is really cool. I had already worked with him because he was one of my thesis advisors. Um, I was tasked with looking at the evaluating or figuring out how to set up a evaluation system for wind energy forecasts. So I did a lot of research about how people made these predictions and what to look for and what the trial periods normally looked like and i put together reports of what we should do based Mm -hmm. on the status quo and like what other new people what new methods people were coming up with but working there was really amazing there was food every day that like was provided to all the employees at like the cafeteria there's always vegetarian options um it was a really nice work environment uh i remember there was my Sonic's not great, like at, especially at that point. My Sonic is conversational now, <laughs> mm-hmm. but at that point, like I was one of the few non-Icelanders, so uh, everything around me was in Icelandic. Uh, and I remember there was one day, but I still am not sure what it was because they explained it to me, but in Icelandic, and it was I think to like blow off steam, but like we all like all hundred of us, which is a lot of employees for an Icelandic company got like an email after lunch to go to the parking lot from the CEO. And we're like, well, okay. And it turns out that there was like some Zumba class that we were going to do all together. And then that same day after, Oh, the work day also normally ends at four. So it's usually like eight to four though. I think the official Icelandic work week, depending on what union Mm -hmm. it's 37.5 hours. 37 point very specific specific (laughs) uh yeah and afterwards there was laser tag in the office which was super cool can i I work there that sounds amazing (laughs) like and it's crazy because like it's known for being kind of like one of the stuffier this is a stuffy company (laughs) like it's like a serious it's a serious company 
it is with the the zumba classes and the laser tags in the background like that was just the one day but like normally like it's a lot of like older Mm -hmm. engineers uh but like i think it's really cool that they make an effort to like shake it up and like Mm -hmm. they would take us on like site visits to where they produce the energy and like it was very cool i really enjoyed working there and i think something even more incredible had to to exist for you to leave in october so tell me a little about that journey so as i mentioned my job at at this company was to uh, put together some sort of way to evaluate forecasts. Uh, so some at some point while I was working there, I kind of put two and two together because while I was doing my master's, I worked at restaurants and I noticed that there was a bunch of food being thrown away. And like, I would really try to like take food home. And like, as a student, I'd like give it away to like my classmates and try to like, just not waste so much food. And I tried putting together like a spreadsheet that like I would wanted my coworkers to fill out, but like that didn't happen because no one wants to, like if you already have to throw out food, like that is tedious and annoying and you mm-hmm. don't want to write about it and do extra work. It's that like, isn't Let me app- fill out this form that I have to now throw away this food. No, no one's doing that. So I was just like, ah, oh, I want to do, I want to reduce this food waste, but I don't have. And it kind of clicked when I was, doing these forecast evaluations like oh my gosh these algorithms these machine learning algorithms that predict the future can be used to predict future sales at restaurants and we can tell them how much food to order so i like kind of like started telling people at the company like oh yeah i have this idea like at lunch and they're like oh that's pretty cool that's very interesting and like my time at the company was coming to a close and I reached out to one of my friends that did this master's with me. Um, her name's Jillian. Uh, and I was like, hey, I have this idea and I think you'd be great for it because she was the TA for machine learning uh, at the school that we went to. So I was like, I need some help. I have no background in machine learning. Um, so I think we could do this. And we sent out some applications to accelerators and to random grants and to uh, pitch competitions. And we're like, like no clue what we were doing. It was just like sending it out yeah. into the universe. And we got accepted into this six week accelerator where they also gave you, gave us some money and office space. Uh, and, and it started the Monday after I finished working at this incredible timing like it was i was pushed into it like in my head i was going to convince these um this company to have me on but like the wind department was just me and my boss and you know legislative Mm -hmm. things have been holding that up so Mm -hmm. it just made so much sense it was literally just the perfect the perfect timing it was the perfect timing and it was funny because like even that weekend like i left early that friday because it was my last day and i went straight into this uh competition it was called the million the million tonna auskoranar the million ton challenge and the challenge was to reduce a million tons of co2 by 2030 and we kind of like half suggested our idea that we had like this reducing this food waste and also just 
kind of vomited all the like things that we had learned about in the past two years during our masters. And we ended up tying for first with another team, which was cool. Um, And then on that next Monday, we started at this accelerator and each week we were learning about how to form a problem statement, how to make a business plan and just like all these different things. And it was cool because so many resources we learned so much. And I think the second week that we participated in that, um, some people from the MIT Design X came to Iceland and we did like a design sprint. Super intensive, like every day they condensed this like five month course into five days. And like, we were just at it every day. And then from then on out, the accelerator kind of expanded on each thing that we did every day. Oh, wow. And this was six weeks. So it was like a very fast turnaround. Super fast. And, yeah. And I would say you're a little veteran of this sport as running like <laughs> adventure prize at Georgia Tech is something that a lot of people see as like that's that's top tier. And you competed on that. So like, did, how did that I mean, help you? I, you can compete with anything. I don't think we've ever like made it past the second round or even, you know, mm. You can always submit an idea and I suggest it because even if you don't win, like there's so many cool things to, mm-hmm. to see. So how long ago has it has that shift been now? It's about. So today it's a year. No way. Is this yeah. the one year anniversary? It's the one year anniversary. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> what is oh your my timing? <laughs> today. Yeah, it started October 7th is when we first, like when we went full time with Green Bites. Oh, wow. And how was that shift from like, like kind of thinking of the idea to like full time? Like that jump. It didn't feel real at first. It was like, yeah, it's this thing. Like, it's pretty cool. Like maybe we'll develop it and like sell it off. But now we're like, we're gonna make it amazing. And we're gonna be here reducing food waste for years and years. And so, like, I'm assuming the mission of uh, Green Bite uh, has evolved over time, right? So, like, since the original so, idea of it to what it is now. I think the mission is the same, mm-hmm. but the service is more complex. The mission has always been reduce food waste, increase profit. Um, <laughs> I love that mission. Like... I know that in the ecological circles, sometimes it's frowned upon to pursue profit, but like, I think in order to convince the most amount of people to switch over to sustainable solutions, you have to make it economically viable. And like, I'm not looking to convince everyone to follow my ideals, but if they can follow my ideals doing something that benefits them as well, then I think we can really impact this at a very large scale because yes i'm not worried like i want everyone to care for the planet but i'm not worried for the people who care the planet they i think are doing their part already what we have to do is like convert the (laughs) non-believers even if it means not having them believe (laughs) (laughs) because they're 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 gonna have other intentions so i think they have other intentions smart of you that like you're like yeah we can't convince everyone to become vegetarian or like be very to the point, like fill out the forms of the trash they're throwing away. Yeah, but we could we could convince them to be greedy, like that. That we could do exactly. Like reducing operational costs is always is always an objective for businesses. So mm-hmm. what we do is we kind of exploit their 
their like their economic needs mm-hmm. and kind of sneak the environment in there. And we're like, and like when we're presenting this, like what I want to do is I want to have the most environmental impact that I can have. And I think that holds true for my team. Mm. And with this in mind, we usually go in and present this to restaurants with, especially now during COVID, like you cannot afford to be throwing food away. So let us help you. And like, I think it definitely has people intrigued. So I think this is a, this is a story that's also super relevant to Iceland because food there is a little notoriously expensive. So I love for you. To food talk is about so expensive. And I think I'm like broken because now I'll go to the grocery store and I'm like, $8 for cheese makes sense. <laughs> um, but, $10 for blueberries. Oh, this is great. <laughs> well, I like went foraging like crazy this summer and I have so many blueberries in my freezer. <laughs> That is so cool. Yes, so normally you, they'd be very expensive if you buy them. No, no, normally, it's. I think Guam had the same thing growing up. We're like, it's like it was like ten dollars for half rotten blueberries. And then like, yeah. Sometimes they the sell States. you like half rotten food, and you're like, how is this allowed to be sold? They're like, it's clearly rotten. I'm like, it's it looks bad, man. They're like, it's ten dollars. I'm like, take it or leave it. Like, oh, <laughs> why? Why? And then I, when I was growing up, I thought that was normal. I was like, yes, blueberries suck. Uh, they taste bad and they're usually rotten. And it comes to the state, you could buy a pint of it for like a dollar. I'm like, okay, I, I did life a little differently than most of what you did. Uh, yeah, so, here it's more like the mangoes and the avocados are never good. Really? Yeah, it's I mean, super tropical fruit. Less the tropical the fruit like are never good. Like the berries are fine. Like I have red currants, I have blueberries, I have crowberries that I like just got here when I went hiking. Uh, so but, it's like uh, locally produced. That, that really yeah. helps on that. Um, and on that note, you mentioned a lot of the different services that follow your mission point for Green Bites. What are like some of the current, like what are the original services you offered and what are some of them now? So the original service was we were just going to break down people's menus and predict their future sales and send out emails to their distributors of what they should order. And that is still present in what we're doing, but it's gone like a little bit of a facelift. So now we have like an interface that we've developed and like that we've put together and is currently being developed. So hopefully we'll have a nice progressive web application out within a month or two. (laughs) Um, And what you can do on the web application is you can go ahead and break down your own menu, which is good for if you want to scale up and like keep consistency within your restaurants and like we bring on new chefs and be like, this is what I want in my, Mm -hmm. in my uh, menus. You can keep track of your stock and uh, auditing stock is like a good practice, whether or not you use our service, like it's good to know what you have in your fridge and in your pantry. Like, this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also keep track of all your distributors. We have noticed that people are very picky about who they get what from. Like they want the yogurt from this person, the tomatoes from this person, and like so on. And you can also see past orders uh, that you have made. So you can kind of keep track of like what worked and what didn't and stuff like that. And we also predict orders. So what we do is we will like, when you go to place a new order on the interface, like, well, we can auto-populate 
what we think you should order and you can kind of customize it and agree. And once it's agreed, uh, we'll send out those, those, um, those orders to the distributors. Mm -hmm. We also added a feature where employees can verify what they have uh, received. Um, So a lot of times people order something, but they don't get what they ordered. So we can, we made it a little bit easier so that they can make sure that they're getting what they asked for. And on top of all that, we kind of have like a splash page when you open up the web app um, showing how much food waste you have reduced and what that meant for you in savings. And oh, we're also you could, hoping you could just visually see that immediately. Yeah, exactly. So like you see like the, like the, the impact immediately. And on the topic of impact, we're wanting to also add like what that means in terms of uh, carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. That is, that's so cool. I, I love how the mission is still so very clear in everything that you're building. So like you're sticking to those values. And I love how fundamental that beginning was. Whenever we like add new features or think about next steps of the project or collaborating with other um, companies, we always like kind of take a step back and we're like, does this align with our mission? Mm. And if it does, we will proceed. And if it does not, we will politely decline. And that's really impressive. I, I think startups have a tough time doing that because they'll pivot to the point of like, they'll just keep pivoting. Yeah. It's like, whatever works. We've been really lucky that like every, like a lot of times we're very well received. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, that it's is It's hard to luxury. disagree with saving the earth. That's why I love like what we do because I've never understood why sustainable energy was controversial and I still don't. Like, yes, I know you have money invested in something else, but you can move your investments. They're Um, liquid-ish. Like, but no one is for food waste. No one. You cannot argue for food waste. It is bad for the planet. It is bad for the economy. It is, it even is like linked to hunger. Like there is a direct correlation between like food waste and the amount of people that go hungry. Like no one is for any of those things. It's super visible too. It's not like something you can't see. It's like, oh, that, that lettuce is here. Now it's here. Exactly. Like everyone feels bad throwing food away. And like, I didn't understand the scale of food waste until I participated in this climathon, which was like my first, my first hackathon, you could say that was like climate based run by EIT and a local food uh, innovation company here called Batis. Wow, and it was really cool. Cause I was just like, what food waste has what? Like, the like cliche like um statistic is that if food waste were a country it would be the third largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions after china and the u.s which is like wild like absurd by itself too so much and like so much water is wasted and like i think the land required to produce all the food that we throw away is bigger than canada like really yeah, it's absurd. Like, and at the same time, like I'm always reading about how like as populations grow, like we're going to have to 
produce more food and that's going to like have a bigger environmental impact. And I'm like, no, no, no. How about we focus on like using the resources that we do have better? Cause like we shouldn't be throwing away between a third and a half of the food that we produce. Like that makes no sense mm-hmm. in any in any in any math, like this is a no. win if we could save it. It's yeah, it's also terribly bad business. Like, like let's get rid of half our stock every day. Like that sounds bad. If you were to say like let's get rid of ten cars every day, the because- visualizations are wild. I think the one for the UK is that like when you go to the store and you have five bags of groceries, you just like leave one behind. <laughs> like you just see someone's like, all right. I don't need this one just walks out the door. I'm like, yeah. sir, please, can you take your bag with you? It's, I think it's like trillions, trillions of dollars are like mm-hmm. spent on wasted food every, every year. Like it's so much money. It's so much effort. It's so many resources and it's so many emissions. Like there's no reason for it. And I, I love, I love how you're like, you know, the I science behind it. it. <laughs> and also the emotional aspect. I think that is, it just shows you how passionate about your project. Um, yeah, I'm full of cheesy now. lines, but cheesy I think lines. I get away with it because I believe all of them. <laughs> I, I wonder who calls things cheesy when it's true. Um, and on that type of cheesy things, um, you told me you love bridging that gap between between the tech world and the non-tech world. Yeah. So my role in the company is not purely technical. Like, yes, I will do some research when we need to like understand what databases to use and blah, blah, blah. Or like I had the original idea and like reached out to people I knew could do these things. But ultimately, my role is making sure the girl, <laughs> the that we can communicate our mission. So I kind of spread the word about Green Bites is a big part of what I do. And I've always noticed that technical, like there's always been so much innovation in the world, not always, but there is so much innovation in the world today. And a lot of it is not used. And I've thought that a lot of that is because engineers and people in STEM are not typically trained to speak to non-experts. And I don't think that the way to spread innovation is to confine it within the realms of experts. I think it's important for the world to move together. And for that to happen, everyone needs to understand what's going on. And that means taking technical knowledge and translating it to non-jargon, to making sure that an everyday layman. Like there are so many things to specialize in this world and not everyone needs to be an expert on food waste or machine learning to understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, important. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like that communication aspect. I feel like engineers are never trained in communication. They're not. As, and I think it's an unfair. Like we, we're very bad at it. I think we take maybe one credit course on it throughout all of four years. It's like, this is really important. I think it's a shame because this is why, like, like there's nothing wrong with, like, specializing in business. But this is why so many times tech businesses are not run by tech people. And when they are, there's sometimes, like, it's all, there's a always lot of wrong. lack of communication. They're like, how but did we get here happens a lot. Like, someone should have seen that this was either impossible or yet, like, a Theranos situation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Like, like, this was impossible. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like you are leading by example. So I, I think that is really admirable. Thank number you. Number one and number two. I want to see more engineers leading engineering. I want to see more tech people leading tech companies and doing so in a way that like doesn't bring does, shame to our name. <laughs> does not bring dishonor to our name. I think that's all that's always a goal that we're going towards. I just and think I, that we have like mm-hmm. Oh, and like, there's a reason we went to school for so many years to understand these concepts. We should be able to like explain it to someone who didn't have to go to school for all these years and they specialize in something else. Like why should like someone who is in government, like have to know the nitty gritty? Mm -hmm. No, no. It's like, that's not their skill set, right? It's not. You wouldn't make a mechanic your chef. Like you can, you'll have very different results and you may not be happy with that. Maybe not. And, and I think, I think, I think definitely running on the last notion is uh, you are participating in entrepreneurship on multiple levels, everything from middle school to now. So oh how, 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 do you, how do you think this opens doors for future women? Because you work with other partners in, in college, in middle school to a point, and now also your co-founder is also female. Yes. So how does this open the door? So I think visibility is extremely important. I think it is very important to be able to, especially as a young person, look out and see role models that look like you. Um, Just because, you know, the imagination can only go so far. It's just easier to be like, wow, they can do it. I can do it too. Mm. Um, And I think by leading by example, I can hopefully encourage young women to um, pursue STEM. And for people that are my age, I will hopefully like, I make a conscious effort to recruit from all different types of backgrounds, because I think there is so much power in diversity. I think that proper problem solving comes from different voices of all, uh, ethnicities, colors, genders, ablenesses, sexualities, all of the different like approaches to life. Mm-hmm tackling the same problem from all their different perspectives. So I make this an effort when recruiting and hopefully like as the company grows, I hope to encourage more women to pursue computer science and data analytics and the marketing aspects. And just like, hopefully we'll be able to give opportunities to people of, of high skill sets that come from all genders. Mm-hmm. And that and 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 the, and the beauty is like you lived it, like it, and we could clearly see from our last hour of conversation that you emphasize that at every point. So it's not just this last cheesy line you're throwing it. It is the real cheese. It's pure gouda. <laughs> it's 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 amazing, right? Um, and I know we're running out of time, so I, this is the last part that I do love asking is like if you're to give three pieces of advice, um to our listeners out there, what would that three be? Oh gosh, this is a very difficult question. Um, I would say be disciplined. And that means with your free time as well as your work time. Um, Take care of yourself. So sleep and eat. And 
that don't let fear get in the way of things. Like, gosh, it's so cheesy. <laughs> I'm just the, the ultimate Gouda. Um, yeah. Cause like applying to a big company, starting your own company, being a minority in a field, like all those things are scary, but like you shouldn't stop doing them because it's scary. Well, thank you so much, Renata, for joining us on the Ranger Outpost. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of the Ranger Outpost. Please go check out at RVK underscore Greenbytes on Instagram, as well as their website, rvkgreenbytes.com, to follow along on Renata's journey to reduce food waste. We would love to hear from you, so send us your comments and feedback to at ranger underscore outpost on Instagram, as well as we set up our official website and email address. Thank you so much for listening in.